Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we're going to be in the days of Noah with Martin Dahan, episode 24, The Believer's Security. Let's get to it. The record of the flood of Noah and the building of the ark in which Noah and his family were saved is a historic fact, vouched for by the Lord himself. Our Lord stakes his reputation on this fact, for he refers to it in Matthew 24 and Luke 17 as being a sign of his second coming. If the Bible record of the flood in Genesis is not true, then Jesus was mistaken, the Bible is not dependable, and we might just as well throw it away. The attempt to disprove the story of Noah and the flood is, therefore, a direct attack upon the veracity and trustworthiness of Jesus Christ. Jesus believed and spoke of the flood as a historic fact. To those who believe in him, the endorsement of the Lord is final proof of the historical accuracy of the account in Genesis. No further proof is needed. Even though archaeologists should discover the ark intact on some mountain in Armenia, it would not affect my faith in the least. The Bible needs no proof. It is to be believed first, and then the witness follows. In a former message, we studied briefly the general architecture of the Ark of Noah, perfectly patterned to assure safety and security for those within it. Now for a few of the almost countless details. In these specifications, we shall see the whole story of the gospel from the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ to his final ascension into heaven. The story of the Ark is the story of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The deluge beat upon the ark for 40 days and nights, but the occupants of the ark were perfectly safe. The wrath of God upon man's sin was spent upon the ark instead. The ark bore the punishment due Noah and his family. Certainly one cannot fail to see in this an unmistakable picture of Calvary. There, the antitype of the ark, the Lord Jesus, hung on the cross and bore his own body for our sins upon the tree. For forty days and nights the rain beat upon the ark until everything that had breath perished on the earth. The whole earth was in the judgment of death, and the ark was buried, as it were, in the waters of the wrath of God. But it did not remain in the bosom of death. After the flood had spent itself, the ark came to rest upon the top of the mountain. It speaks of victory over death in Jesus' resurrection, and finally his ascension into heaven. In Genesis 8:4, we read, and the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month upon the mounts of Ararat, Genesis 8, 4. We call your attention to two things. First, the word rested, and then the exact date on which the ark rested. Notice the date. It was the seventeenth day of the seventh month. Centuries later, God changed the seventh month to the first month of the year. It was on the occasion of Israel's deliverance from the bondage of Egypt. Up until this time, Noah's calendar had been in use, but now God gives Israel a new calendar. They are to forget their bondage and begin anew. They are to date their history from the day of their emancipation from Egypt. This was their new year. So remember that the seventh month in Noah's day was changed to the first month in Israel's history. It was in this month that Israel was to commemorate the Passover in Egypt. We read in chapter 23 of Leviticus, these are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. In the fourteenth day of the first month, at even is the Lord's Passover, Leviticus 23, 4 and 5. Remember that date, the fourteenth day of the first month, the picture of Christ's death. Christ is our Passover, and this date speaks of his death. 
The next day, following this Passover on the 14th day of the first month, was the Feast of Unleavened Bread on the 15th, which speaks of the burial of our Lord. Then follows the Feast of First Fruits, and we know from Paul's words that the Feast of the First Fruits points to the resurrection of our Lord. Since Jesus, the Passover lamb, was crucified on the 14th day of the first month, and Jesus arose three days later, we can fix the date of the resurrection of Christ on the 17th day of the first month, which was the seventh month in the days of the flood. The ark therefore came to rest on the exact day that Jesus was to arise from the dead. Here then we have the whole gospel, the message of salvation in the ark of Noah. Noah and his family were safe and secure in the ark because they believed the gospel. Noah believed God's word concerning the ark, and we read in Hebrews, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Hebrews 11.7 All outside the ark were condemned to death. All inside were safe and secure. Are you in Christ? Have you believed the gospel? If you are not in him, ye shall likewise perish. We want to make just a comment on the expression, and the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. Genesis 8.4 The word rested may be translated to settle down or to sit down. The ark sat down on the mountains of Armenia or Ararat. The word Ararat means high or exalted mountain. Here the ark sat down upon the exalted mountain. It is a picture or shadow of the Lord Jesus, our ark of safety, who also, after his resurrection, ascended into heaven and sat down. The work was done. The judgment of the flood was over. Noah and his family are safe, and the ark sat down in the exalted mountains. Peter said of Jesus, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear, Acts 2, 32 and 33. And the writer of Hebrews tells us of Jesus, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, Hebrews 1, 3. And again in Hebrews 10, we read, but this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, Hebrews 10, 12. The Ark of Noah then presents to us a place of absolute safety and security. It was a place of security for many reasons. It was a secure place because God himself had designed it beforehand. It was a place of security because of its construction. God said, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Genesis 6.14 The word gopher means to enclose or house in. It speaks of the humanity of Christ. Just as the Shittim would in the Ark of the Covenant pointed to Jesus' humanity, it was the product of natural growth and development. This wood was to be perfectly sealed by covering it without and within with pitch. And here is an interesting word indeed, and we must spend a few moments on it. The word pitch, or bitumen, is gopher in the Hebrew. The word form is kafar. This is the same word translated atonement in at least 70 other places in the Old Testament. In the well-known verse in Leviticus 17, we have the key to its typical meaning. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Leviticus 17, 11. 
The word atonement in this verse is kafar, the same identical word translated pitch in the Ark of Noah. Now remember, it is the blood which makes the atonement for sin. It is therefore perfectly consistent to translate the phrase in Genesis 6.14, make thee an ark of gopher wood and cover it within and without with the blood of the atonement. What a picture of our Savior. The wood speaks of his incarnation in human form. The pitch speaks of his atoning blood shed on the cross for the remission of sins. For without shedding of blood is no remission. Hebrews 9.22 No wonder Noah was secure in the ark, for he was under the blood. But this is not all, for Noah was also safe because God himself was with him in the ark. Noah's safety was therefore assured, one, because the ark was designed by God, and two, because it was sheltered by the atoning blood as represented by the pitch, and now three, because of the presence of God in the ark. In the record we read, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou into the ark. Genesis 7.1 God did not stay on the outside and say, Go into the ark, but he said, Come into the ark. God was already in the ark. The word come occurs in the Bible some 500 times, but this is the first time it appears as an invitation from God. We have seen that the ark is a clear, unmistakable picture of Christ. God was in the ark, and Noah was with God in it also. It brings to mind first that Christ is God, but also that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. 2 Corinthians 5.19 As if these things we have considered were not enough to establish Noah's security in the ark, we are told that God locked the door from the inside. In Genesis 7, 16, we read that the Lord shut him in. The Lord shut Noah in. He couldn't get out if he wanted to, which of course he didn't. Now we come to the climaxing proof of God's perfect protection of his own. Has it ever occurred to you that of the hundreds or thousands of animals and birds living in close quarters for a whole year, not one of them died? There were no casualties in the ark. We are safe to assume there were not even any illnesses or accidents. All that went in were preserved and came out upon a cleansed earth. Many centuries later, the one of whom the ark was only a type said, And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. John ten twenty eight through 30 All this must be made personal. For while God designed the ark and ample provision for Noah had been made, Noah was personally responsible for entering the ark. He was not compelled to enter, but was invited to come voluntarily. The words of invitation were, come now, come now. God seems to say, I mean you, Noah, you must come. It surely reminds us of the words of our Lord. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Not only is the invitation extended to Noah, but the Lord also adds, and all thy house. Genesis 7, 1. Noah is not to be satisfied to escape the flood alone, but must seek to bring others as well. And how we thank God that Noah was able to bring them. What a testimony to the faithfulness of Noah that his wife, his three sons, and their three wives believed his warning. What a contrast to the experience of Lot when he escaped Sodom and Gomorrah. 
He left his wife and sons-in-law behind and barely escaped with his two daughters. So I would ask two questions. Are you in the ark? If not, will you now heed God's warning of coming judgment and turn to Christ for salvation? And if you are saved, then the second question, is your family in? Do your children believe your testimony? Does your life recommend Jesus, the ark of safety, to them? God grant that testimony of Hebrews 11 may be true of you. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith, Hebrews 11:7. Hey guys, I hope this has helped you. And if it has, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. But more importantly, have you believed unto Jesus Christ? Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I pray that one day you have done that. I also pray that if you already know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you are going out of your way, that you are making it a point to share the gospel so that everyone you know may have a chance to enter the ark of Jesus Christ and have eternal life. Until next week, God bless. God bless.